Take it as a compliment when you are insulted for Christ and don't be offended. Key number two, take it as a compliment when you are insulted for Christ and don't be offended. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Father, we come before you today, and Lord, we are reminded that through the blood of Jesus, uh, death has been conquered, uh, sin no longer enslaves us, and we're no longer under the dominion of that any longer, Lord, and we, we just praise you that our chains are gone, and we've been set free. So Holy Spirit, I, I just pray today, Holy Spirit, I pray. Would you move in this place in a powerful way, O oh God? Holy Spirit, we all bring a lot of baggage into this room, of hurt and disappointments, the challenges, some self-inflicted perhaps, others been inflicted by others, and God, just the reality is this, is that we're all struggling, but we're struggling as we stumble towards Christ. And so, Lord, don't allow us to buy the lie from the enemy that our sin is too great for Jesus. But Father, I pray right now, wherever we sit, that we would know that the blood of Christ is greater than all of our sin. And so, Holy Spirit, will you move in this place? Will you move in a profound way here today? May we sense your still small voice. May you illuminate, Holy Spirit, the truth. May you illuminate, will you bring to light? your word and your will for each one of our lives, that we might give you glory no matter what you do in our lives, what you allow into our lives, God, that our ultimate aim in all things would be the renown of your name. And so as we open this glorious truth, your word, the Holy Scriptures, word of God, may you speak, fall down like rain, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you and you alone, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. And we pray this in the mighty and the matchless name of King Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Take your Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4. And as you're turning there, we want to continue to hone in on the mission that we exist for the glory of God to be His disciples that go and make disciples. We are back to the basics in 22. Uh, Jesus, others, you, me, and that order, that's true joy. And as we think on that thought, as you're turning to the Scripture, 
as we look at the title of the message today, Insulted for the Name of Christ. I pray as we open the Word together, I pray as we assemble around the Word together right now, that, that, that we would realize what a privilege this is, amen? I mean, what a privilege this is to assemble around the Word of God. I pray your Bible's open, I pray your notepad's handy, that, that you're taking your notes and learning from the Word, the riches of the truth. Because here's what I was thinking about this past week. If you and I, if we are in some sort of a battle, and we have some sort of a weapon, as you fight that battle with that weapon, what is your opponent trying to do? Often the opponent is trying to take the weapon out of your hand. The same illustration works so beautifully in the spiritual realm. We have what's called the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. It's the one offensive weapon in all of our arsenal. Do you see why the enemy is so determined to get the Bible out of our hands? It's the very thing that as we go into the battle, that we'll be able to fight valiantly on the offensive versus always on the backpedaling defensive. As you think through that thought, I pray that your Bible is your sword. I pray you guard your life. I pray you guard your heart and your mind. I pray that there wouldn't be any resistance and, and any pushback and rebellion to the Word of God, but I pray that there would be a soft, tender heart. God works through soft, tender hearts, doesn't He? And this is what He says in His Word from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. Love this Word. This is powerful. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice, rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. Now look at verse 14. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But, verse 15, let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief, an evildoer or as a meddler. 16, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glory and glorify God in that name. You remember last week as we looked at verses 9 through 11 in Scripture there of 1 Peter chapter 4 that we saw very clearly what it looked like to show hospitality, just not internally but externally to our community, to our neighbors, to our co-workers, that we model the love of Christ. But we also saw very clearly in those verses about what it looks like to not be someone who complains. Someone who is not self-focused. You know, it's so easy when we look at Scripture, we look at those verses that, that really grumbling, if you will, is, is an outflow of being preoccupied with self. 
And in Scripture, we see very clearly that we are not to be grumblers, not to be mumblers, not to be crumblers, not to be fumblers, but we are to be those people of Jesus Christ that has a life that even though it's hard, and I know there's people here today that you're going through some hard stuff, and it's heavy, and it's difficult, and we ask God, why are you allowing this into my life? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? when God has been teaching me to ask a different question. Not why are you allowing this to happen to me, but oh God, why are you allowing this to happen for me? It will totally transform your life when you go from why is this happening to me to why is this happening for me? God, what are you doing in this? And, and how can you move? And, and how can you shake, so to speak, in my own life and, and get the callousness out of there and the darkness out of the heart and, and that stiff neckness and that rebellion? Oftentimes, He allows us to go through struggles to get our attention, doesn't He? Because it's so easy to veer. It's so easy to get off course. And here today, we see very clearly as Peter's writing to these believers there in that Roman Empire, and he says, look, I know you're going through hard times, and I know it's difficult, and you want to quit, and you want to throw in the towel, but he's saying these words that are so pivotal. Look again in your Bible, there at this glorious first verse as we study this together. Look at verse 12. Peter says this, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to what church? test you. You got to remember back in that day, so, so Peter is writing in that Roman Empire. If you study history, you know that there was what's called the burning of Rome. Perhaps he was writing in that era using that imagery, the fiery trial, beautiful pole, perhaps from that culture. And there's this about 200 years of Christian persecution I mean, if you study that, if you think you've had a bad week, go back and study that. It will recalibrate everything. Nero Circus, releasing the Christians into the Colosseum, the ones that said, you know what, we're serving Jesus. We don't care if none go with us. We'll die for this. We're going to, literally, when they cut us open, we're going to bleed the gospel. And as those animals, those lions would tear them to shreds, Roman candles, 4th of July, you know where that name came from, don't you? They would take Christians and put them on posts and burn them alive. Maybe my week wasn't so bad. See, it's amazing when you think on these things that these believers that are really in, they're sold out, they're surrendered, it's still tempting, right, to want to push the done button, isn't it? It's really easy to look for an exit ramp. And here he says these beautiful words, do not be surprised. Do not be caught off guard. What? When it comes to you, this fiery trial, that it may test. See, here's the deal. A test, whether it's in school, perhaps at work, you're taking an exam for a promotion, they test you to see what you know to prove that it is true. The testing, the testing that you're going through right now, the testing that I'm going through right now, none of us go, hey, man, bring this on. This is amazing. 
but we do come at it from a new perspective. I pray, God, not what is happening to me, but oh God, what do you got for me? Like, what are you going to do on the other side of the trial? That as you carry me through the valleys, you carry me through the difficult time, what are you going to do through the health crisis? What are you going to do through the financial crisis? What are you going to do through the marital crisis? God, what are you going to do, but what are you going to do in me, for me, and through me that your glory might be gone throughout all the country, throughout the world, that your name might be high and lifted up, that many might run to the cross of Jesus Christ? That's what I love about uh, studying the persecuted church. I just saw the list this past week, and they came out with the 50 top persecuted countries. Uh, No surprise, Afghanistan was number one. I've been outside the United States preaching. I've been inside the United States preaching, and I would argue this, having personal experience. The most difficult place To be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ is not Afghanistan. It's America. We got way too many little G gods that it's just too easy to coexist with. In Afghanistan, if you're a believer, guess what? You're a believer. Why? Because your life's on the line. Like, you don't have any choice to waffle between the two. Here you can waffle all you want, right? Hey, man, I'll just check in and check out and it doesn't fit my needs or my wants. I'm out of here. Peter says here, don't be surprised. For you that have really given your life to Christ, it's real, it's true. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised Just don't be surprised. It's part of the deal. It's part of the life. Here's the good news. At some point, this life will be over. And can you you just imagine, can you wait that you stand in front of the king of glory and you worship him all day long and all this will be gone and we're not going to look back and go, man, that was hard and that was tough. We'll just be looking at King Jesus, amen, and just worshiping him all the day long. That's why key number one is so important. Here it is. Key number one, write it down. God graciously allows trials into our lives not to crush us, but to test us and therefore strengthen us. Write it down, key number one. I'll say it again. God, yes, this is not a misprint. God graciously allows trials into our lives not to crush us, but to test us and therefore strengthen us. The testing that you're going through right now as a true believer in Christ is to strengthen you. You build the muscle by putting more weight on it. You put more stress on it. How many bodybuilders you come across and you go, man, that, that's, that's, that's amazing. Man, if, you know, if you looked like that, some guy, right, you, you wouldn't even own a shirt. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's crazy. You know, how do you get like that? Well, I just sit around eating Oreos and of course you don't, right? I mean, you're lifting, you're, you're taking care of, you're training, you're disciplined. It's intentional. And there's weight that gets heavier and heavier and heavier to strengthen the muscle. The same parallel works in your Christian walk if you're a true believer. 
The way that your spiritual muscle gets stronger is to endure more trials. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? It's part of the journey. That's why the road is narrow. There's a narrow path. Few are on it. Few will find it, the Bible says. It's a wide path that many think, hey, we're in. We're in the club. We got the fire insurance. Man, we're heading towards heaven. Got that checked off the list. And then Jesus says on that day, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. That's why this is so important that we understand that it is for our good. And what does he say to do in that following verse? He says this. I love this verse 13. But rejoice. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Let me say that again. But rejoice. But rejoice. It means this to be exuberant with an overflowing communication. Now let's get really honest. We're in church. Don't lie. When you go through a trial, when you went through a trial this past week, what was your first inclination? Was it to throw a party? I know it wasn't mine. But just think for a moment. Think about something, yes, very pragmatic, something that actually works. Imagine that when I go through something or you go through something here today, tomorrow, whatever it might be, that instead of the usual response, what if we actually do? What if we go through something difficult and we go, ah, we kind of catch ourselves, right? Because we're tempted to go into that fleshly mode and we go, oh, wait a minute. God, <laughs> I don't know what you're up to, but I can't wait. I mean, even just doing that exercise, doesn't it change the perspective? If we really go, you know, we're in for Jesus and we know this is hard and this is difficult and anything hard and difficult worth having in life is going to be challenging. And we have a new perspective. How about James? Write this down. James chapter 1. We've studied this months ago, but James chapter 1, 2 through 4 says, It's counted all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the what church? Testing of your what? Faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Do you see what's going on here, church? In the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your challenges today, as a true believer in Christ, God is working in the midst of your challenges to produce something. To produce Christ-likeness. To produce a steadfastness. Romans says it like this, that, that in the midst of our trials, that, that literally it's producing, it's, it's working, it's doing something in my life, in your life today, as God is working behind the scenes to what? Produce a patience and a character and a hope that will not let you down. Randy Alcorn said it like this. Listen closely. Satan intends your suffering for evil. God intends it for good. Whose purpose in your suffering will prevail? Whose purpose are you furthering? Satan attempts to destroy your faith while God invites you to draw near to Him and draw upon His sovereign grace to sustain you. You think about Romans chapter 8, verse 18, when Paul said this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing 
but the glory that is to be revealed to us. Do you see the perspective? Do you see where the gaze is, where he's setting his hope? He's saying, look, that the sufferings of this present time and all of us around this room today probably have a laundry list of things we're going through and there's struggles and disappointments. We all got them. It's part of this broken, fallen, depraved life we live in. But as we have this eternal, eternal perspective, we just don't get through the difficulties. We become like Paul there in Romans where he said this, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors in all these things, not apart from all these things. See, God often uses the tests to prune, to refine. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. I made a note here. I said this, what we think on is often what we act on. What we think on is often what we act on. So let's go back to our illustration of the sword of the Spirit. I hold my hand here in front of you, a Bible. Uh, This is the ESV translation. Um, I like that translation. Uh, I believe... What I hold in my hand here in front of you today is the living, breathing Word of God. I've committed my life to it. If necessary, I'll die for it. It's changed my life, although I'm not perfect and I'm being continually sanctified and transformed, but it's the air I breathe, it's my life. And I know this, that as the enemy comes into my life and comes into your life with with those fiery darts, that the one thing he's going to want us to do is to not be thinking on this because he knows what we think on is what we act on. And so if we can just get this out of our hand, right? If we can take my sword out of my hand, I'm now on the backpedaling defense instead of the offense of this is the Word of God. And we begin to charge the hill with the gospel. And we go on the offensive and we say, Satan, you will have no dominion in this place. We go into those schools, those three schools that I mentioned, and we say, Satan, here's the deal. You're no longer in charge of these schools. Jesus Christ is. And we begin to be motivated and we press forward with a tenacity. And yes, it's going to be difficult. And yes, we're going to get discouraged at times. But in the midst of the struggles, what do we do? We know it's testing us. It's sharpening us. It's refining us. It's pruning us that God would get all the glory as we're obedient to Him. And my prayer is that many would come to know this Jesus who is called the Christ. Don't think it's strange. Don't be surprised. It's part of it. Learn like God is teaching me to embrace it. And watch Him work in the midst of the struggle. All for the praise of His glory. Amen. Think about these next section of verses. We'll start with verse 14. 
If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Hmm. Because the Spirit of glory of God rests upon you. Have you ever been insulted for the name of Christ? The Bible says this, that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Have you ever been insulted for the name of Christ? What does it mean to be insulted? Well, in this context here, it means this, to literally slandered, to be spoken evil against. People say things often that aren't true, that are half true and half false, if you will. And why? It's all about getting the lie, right? Getting the lie promoted. Satan's the father of all lies. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. And here, Peter is encouraging the reader then. He's encouraging you today, the true believer, saying, look, here's the deal. When you are insulted, you are blessed. Now again, so we got something going on here, which is very interesting in my mind. We have two concepts that are playing out here very quickly. Here it is. We have a fiery trial that is coming into our lives, and we are, our response to that is actually to rejoice. Counterintuitive, isn't it? We then have this that he goes a little deeper and he says, look, let me give an illustration about a fiery trial. And here's a fiery trial that they were enduring. And for those, especially in this culture today, that are willing to say, I'm all in for Jesus, you will be slandered. You will be insulted. You will be lied about. It's just part of it. And he says, here's the deal. Don't miss this. He's saying, look, because of this is happening to you of the name of Christ, because of the name of Christ, this is coming into your life, know this, you're blessed. We're to rejoice and to know confidently, church, that we're blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? We talked about this a little bit earlier this morning. Is it just the word happy, sappy, flappy? Is that what blessed means? No, this blessing means this, and don't miss this. It means God's favor, His hand is upon you. You say, how do we know that? We'll read the last part of the verse. Because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. You're blessed, and God's hand's upon you. I've been around a long time doing this, and you you come across some interesting situations over the years, and I've seen some, some things that aren't honoring to the Lord. And I remember one vividly years ago where things were occurring that were not of the Lord. And there was a lot of insulting going on for those that were standing for the gospel and the truth. And, and yet the ones doing the insulting were espousing that they're so glad that the Spirit's here. To which I retorted, oh, there's a spirit here. I can guarantee you that. And his first name's not holy. It's amazing, church. In this deceived culture that we live in, as many are falling away, you will be insulted. But we are to count it all joy. Key number two, write it down. Take it as a compliment when you are insulted for Christ and don't be offended. Key number two, take it as a compliment 
when you are insulted for Christ and don't be offended. John 3 says it like this. Write this down. John 3, 19 through 21. This is so key. We love John 3, 16. We'll probably see it today as we watch the ball games. Praise the Lord. We forget 19 through 21. And this speaks. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. There it is. That's the key, the light. And people love the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their works are evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. They hate the Word of God. They don't come to the light. Why? Lest their works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true, it's key, who's ever truly a Christ follower, you come to the light. You want the light. Why? So that it may be clearly seen that His works, His fruit, have been carried out in God. When you get insulted for the name of Christ, don't be offended. Here's how this works, and this is how the enemy is not overly intelligent. When he gets into people's lives and he begins to get them working on his behalf, in this illustration here, the insulting is actually a confirmation that you're walking in the Spirit and they aren't. And we pray for those people that the light will illuminate, that the blindness will be no more, that the ears will be unclogged, because it's entirely possible to sit in a church all your life and hear the gospel, but never be transformed by it. I love this section of Scripture in Acts chapter 5. I want you to write that down. Verse 40 through 42. These are the apostles, and I love Acts chapter 5. Verse 29 is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. It says this, Peter and the disciples, the apostles, they've been persecuted, and they say, hey, they gather all the disciples around, and they say, hey, we've got an idea for you. Uh, look, you just don't talk about this Jesus ever again. Just go on your merry way. We'll just call it a day. And Peter's like, hmm, let me think on this. And then the words of Scripture say this, but Peter answered and said, we will obey God rather than man. Wow. <laughs> I love that. You say, well, where does that go with these verses? Well, look what happens as they obey God and begin to be insulted and persecuted. Look at verse here, 40 through 42 of Acts 5 on the screen. And when they had gone in to the apostles, they beat them. And they dragged them out, not to speak in the name of Jesus, and let them go. Then they, the disciples, the apostles, then, this is so key, then they left the presence of the council. What were they doing? Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. 
And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Jesus is Christ. See, that they got it. They understood that, that, that if people don't stay under this and they get from out from under this, if the sword gets knocked out of their hand, they, they know this because they're humans too by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. If we're not in the Word and the Word is not in us, we will be in the flesh and we'll be in the world. And way too many people are on that road. And then lastly, we're warned. Look at verse 15 and 16. If you want something practical here. Look at verse 15 and 16. But let none of you suffer as a murderer. I think we all check that one off, right? Or thief. Hopefully, we all check that one off. An evildoer. Hmm. Or as a meddler. Oh. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, as a Christ follower, as a fully devoted, surrendered little Christ, a Christian, you take out Christ and all you got is a yen, right? It's all about Christ. He's the focus. He's the hope. He's the security. If any of you suffer as a true believer is what he's saying. He's sharpening the pencil saying, look, you know, if you're not really in and you're suffering and you're really a meddler and you're a murderer and a thief, you're going to suffer those consequences. But here's the deal. But if you suffer as a Christian, as a true Christ follower, let him not be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be reluctant. Don't fear man. Don't try to please people. But let him glorify God in that name. Boy, it all comes back to God's glory, doesn't it? How many times in Scripture, even just here in 1 Peter in four chapters, have we seen this thought of God's glory? And all throughout the pages of Scripture, literally from the book of table of contents, if you will, to the book of maps and everything in between, it's all about God's glory, isn't it? And I'll tell you, what would be so beautiful just to, to have this like on, on a pedestal even right here under these bright lights and, and we just lift up the Word of God because the Word of God says this, that, that when, when Christ is high and lifted up and He is the Lagos, He is the, the living, breathing Word of God, when He is high and lifted up, the Bible says this, that, that He will draw men unto Himself. And there's nothing greater than when you see humble men and women with soft, tender hearts give their life to Christ. There's nothing like it. Last key, key number three, write it down. When, not if, we suffer for being all in for Jesus, don't be ashamed, but give God glory. When, not if, we suffer for being all in for Jesus, don't be ashamed, but give God glory. Write these verses down. 2 Timothy 1, verse 12. 2 Timothy 1, verse 12. Here's what Paul writes. Here's what Paul writes to young Timothy. And listen to what he says here. You talk about a brutal life. Here's what he says, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that He is able to guard, to protect, until that day what has been entrusted to me. 
And then he says these words in 2 Timothy 4, 16-18. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. Why? So that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. To Him be the what church? Glory. How long? Forever and ever. And all God's people said... Amen. Wow, it's good stuff, isn't it? Here it is. Here it is. That's it. That's it right there. Won't draw a crowd, but it will make disciples. It will make disciples. He said, What do we learn today? Well, what do we learn? Well, I pray that as you've had your Bible open with your notes out. I pray that you learned what Tim Challey said. Here it is. What does it mean to trust God, he asked. It means that in our lowest moments, we will resolve to believe that what God says is true. It means that even in our darkest valleys, we will be determined to take God at His Word. It means that even when we don't know what to do or where to go, we will look to God with faith and yes, as either an immediate instinct or deliberate act of the will, we will anchor ourselves on the One who has promised that His every word proves true and reliable, that He will shelter and protect all those who run to Him for refuge in quote, and all God's people said. What do we learn? What can you implement? Number one, God allows trials in our lives to strengthen your faith. He's got you right where He wants you to strengthen you. Number two, when you're insulted for the name of Christ, it's confirmation. Just take it as a compliment. Pray for those who are insulting don't seek vengeance. Love them. And number three, don't be ashamed when you suffer, but rather give God the glory. Amen? Oh, Father, we come before You today, Lord, and as we lift up these thoughts, Lord, we pray that You would stir and move in this place. Holy Spirit, I'm thinking right now of in the Old Testament where the kids of Israel rebelled and they were stiff-necked and hard-hearted and they suffered greatly. Oh, Father, I pray that I, that we would be a people of, of great humility, of great brokenness, soft, tender, pliable hearts, so, Father, as you move in this time, don't allow us to resist. But as you speak right now, as you draw and stir right now, give us courage to follow you in obedience. Give us courage, oh God, to follow you and say, God, here's my life. 
Lord, whatever you want to do in this time, may we simply be obedient. Don't allow us to make excuses. Don't allow us to blame other people. Lord, I pray today for someone will be a new day, a day of true life as they give everything to you. May you receive the praise. May you receive the glory. And we pray this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.